What's happening, everybody? Welcome to the Fantasy Golf Bag Podcast. I am Jason Roslin, and I am here with my buddy Drew Matthews. Tonight, we are going to break down some statistical important factors for this week's Sony Open at Wailea Country Club or Wailea. I don't know. I've, I've honestly heard many people pronounce it each way. So, Drew, which way do you like to pronounce it? Out on the islands, it's definitely Leia. That's what they like to say. So, I don't know, but what are you going with? I just go with Wai Lai. Okay. <laughs> That's how All I've right. always said it. I know, I know. It's typically how people have said it. I've heard it both ways. We're gonna we'll, we'll skip over how to say the golf course. Uh, and and it's it's not as bad saying it. Try spelling it. I've, I've I know already right. abstained from typing out Wai Lai twice tonight or today. There's like um, and just say Sony Open. Yeah. There's just so many so many vowels. It's crazy. It's like want to buy a vowel and you solve the whole puzzle for goodness. Yeah, sake. you're done. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's where we're at. Uh, this is our, our first time together. This is going to be a weekly thing for some of the bigger events. This is going to be a, a premium feature that we'll do later on in the week. But uh, what you can expect from this, hopefully we're going to get it done in under 23 minutes. It is 2023, and 23 is my favorite number, uh, Drew. In case you didn't know, I've got it in my username. I've got it in my Twitter handle. I've got it pretty much everywhere. Anyways, I was born on the 23rd. But uh, so we're going to try and keep it under 23 minutes, give you some top bets that we've got from uh, our models here. And we'll, of course, tell you about the models. So first off, we're going to do a quick review of last week, probably five minutes at the most. If you guys want to skip over it, we'll give the uh, the numbers at the end or at least the timestamps. But I want to start off by asking you, Drew, how worried are you about Colin Morikawa on a 1 to 10 scale, 10 being the most worried, 1 being the least worried? And this is in terms of what you expect to see going forward. Yeah, I'll, I'll say a four. I'm not. I'm not too concerned with it. It's it's never a good thing for confidence. But now, yeah, I'm not. I'm not waving the white flag today. Yeah, I, I think I'm right there with you. I've heard some people wanting to jump off the deep end, and that this will have some, you know, big time no. scarring. I, I'm not really that concerned. John Rom who I, I consider, you know, one of the best two, three golfers in the world is the guy that beat him, right? I mean, it's not like Tom Hoagie came and beat him. <laughs> even even if he did, I, I wouldn't be too concerned with it. I mean, he had some bad shots and definitely didn't play very well. Um, but I think I think losing one of these events doesn't have the same vibe as like when Zalatoris lost the PGA. Well, like, I just think when you yeah. lose this event, you're going to be teeing it up in a couple weeks at another probably bigger event. Yeah. So it's, yep. it's just... It's in the back of his mind. If anything, it probably gives him some motivation to play better. I could argue that side for sure. Um, but if this was a major, if this was like Augusta, you know, and he really wanted to win the Masters, I, I would be way worse, you know, way lower on his outcome the rest of the year. But I don't think for the Century Tournament champions, everyone's shooting 60. It's not, it's just, I'm not too concerned. And it was really three holes. I mean, yeah, pretty it, much. It, it, yeah. I mean, he didn't play outside of those three holes. Yeah, yeah, I'm not, I'm not worried about. It. I know people feel the sting after having an outright for 54 holes. I mean, it was like 62 holes or something, probably longer than that. And uh, it does hurt, but yeah, I'm not worried about his, uh, his outcome for the rest of the year. If any, like I said, if anything, you could take motivation from this. Like, hey, I was in contention, I spit the bit, and I, I being in contention is good enough um that can take that positivity that's kind of what they teach anyways it's funny with with statistics nowadays too is a lot of it is just the mental side of what are they actually teaching these guys they're not going for the flag from 175 anymore <laughs> they're not supposed to anyway so right. um it's kind of like what do you expect he's gonna he's gonna move forward he seems like a tough guy 
um, mentally. So I still like him going forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me, me as well. I'm, I'm not too concerned. Now, speaking of, of Rom, he gets – this is kind of a multifaceted thing on Rom. He gets zero movement in, in terms of the new official World Golf ranking. Is that becoming less and less obsolete as we move forward, or are we just going through a transition period and then it'll get better? What's your opinion on that? I don't know because I, I'm trying to follow along. So I, I follow the guy Nosferatu or whatever. I don't yeah. know if you pronounce it a different way on Twitter who runs the OWGR site basically. And he's had his own quips about like, Hey, I'm having to update this and it's kind of a little sketchy so far. Um, It's not a good sign when a guy like Rom who has what three wins in his last five starts, he had no missed cuts last year. McElroy played great. Fine. But like Rom's not number one. Like, (laughs) like if anything, you should be leaning these world rankings to like really near term, closer near term recent form. And it doesn't seem like it's going that way. They did do a good job bumping live guys, I guess, for strength of field purposes. But I don't think you're giving enough credit now. And I don't know what the ins and outs are specifically. But, I mean, the tournament champions is a pretty strong field, in my opinion. I mean, for the most part. of the world's top 20 were there. And you right. come in first and, and you don't move up. Yeah, that, that really, really confused me. Um, and one of the guys wasn't there. So, like, more like McElroy, I don't know how far ahead he is. Like he wasn't there, so he got no points yeah. anyways. It wasn't like it was Morikawa was number one, finished second. So like, yeah, they, he gets a little bump, and Rom gets a little bit bigger bump, but it still wasn't enough to pass. Okay, that makes sense. But like, one guy's stay, stay, staying still, and yeah, you don't even move up at all. So I'm not sure. I don't know if <laughs> they're, they're just trying to make things more modernized, and maybe maybe they're just kind of take the the punches with the with the go. But I'm not sure. Right yeah, now, it doesn't look great. It it doesn't. It doesn't, and, and it'll take some time, obviously, with golf being split, you know, the, the golf world being split. It'll take some time to go over that. Uh, last thing on Rom, uh, he was 80 to 1 at one point, maybe even higher in live <laughs> betting. In my opinion, there's just no time where I'm going to bet against the guy that has a six-stroke lead. But if it's a guy like Rom who's in second, is it worth putting shots on that 80 to 1 or – are you in my ballpark, uh, Drew, and, and you're not going to do that in most circumstances? I just wouldn't do it. Yeah. It's, I mean, in hindsight, it makes so much sense. But how often is that going to happen, whether it's Morikawa or JT or Spieth or, or any Wills Alatoris even? Like, yep. they're not going to make up six shots, on, especially on a course that's playing that easy. Um, I don't know. In hindsight, it's always wow. cool. Like, oh, man, you could have grabbed him, you know, at higher odds than anybody in the field pretty much. Yep. With 10 holes to go, but no one, you're not going to, there's probably no value. Cause I mean, six shots is huge. So it's a, it's just a huge shot discrepancy. So I guess maybe the, the only time possibly when Morikawa made his bogey on 14, Rom made an Eagle, but it was already, I think they were already tied at that point. So at that point, the 80 to one becomes, you know, maybe two to one. Right. Um, it goes away pretty quick. Yeah, yeah, and they updated. I mean, it's funny, too, with golf. Like, it it is – I saw someone tweet out, like, it's really the only sport that that can probably occur because every other sport moves in increments of, you know, one or two points. But in golf, it can go four strokes or more in one hole. Yeah. And so, like, the stats are – up. yeah, right. So the stats are updating after the hole. It's not updating after every shot. And um, it's really the only sport where you can get a swing where someone could go from 80 to 1 to potentially a favorite. Yeah. in one hole, which is crazy. So, <laughs> um, I don't know. It's, it's pretty fun to watch and pretty cool to see how that transpired. But, uh, yeah, I would not 
be chasing that. I mean, you would go, you would go broke. <laughs> you would go broke chasing guys six shots back. Great. Yeah, idiot one sounds awesome, but I don't care who it is. You know, it could be maybe Tiger in his prime, but you're not going to get 80 to one. Exactly. Tiger yeah. in his prime if he's in second, six back, it's just not going to happen. So he's probably uh, 10 to one at the at worst. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's it's uh, crazy, his odds. So let's talk about a couple statistical standouts uh, from last week that are going to be playing this week. That's our focus here. So uh, I've got a pack of three. First one I want to talk about, JJ Spawn. We know it's super easy to drive out of Kapalua. I mean, I I probably hit 13 out of uh, 16 fairways when I played there. But JJ Spawn, not only did he hit it well, but he was positive strokes gained off the tee in 73% of his shots. He's ranked 10th in the field. Now, we're going to talk about what that means in just a couple of minutes. Uh, K.H. Lee, he was positive on 54% of his approach shots, which also ranked 10th in the field. And then lastly, my third one, Drew, Jordan Spieth. He putted very well from 10 to 25 feet. Um, That's a number that I really like for him. He struggled a bit at it last year. We know he struggles inside of three feet. He's one of the worst on tour, as as our buddy at Model Maniac on Twitter uh, took. Looked up for me after my eyesight kind of told me that. So those are my three stats. Uh, what stuck out to you last week? I mean, Spawn Spawn kind of comes out of nowhere for me. Like I think there's a lot of times he gets a first round lead. Um, I don't I don't really know where I peg him. He's just a guy that I don't get right very often, unfortunately. Um, I mean, honestly, if if Morikawa had won, it's funny how these guys flip the script. But and this isn't down the path that you want to go statistically speaking. But I, I did find it really interesting with Morikawa losing and Rom winning. It really changed the narrative to how good Rom has been the last couple months and last year versus, you know, if Morikawa won, it's looking like Morikawa could have a great breakout year. It's really interesting because had Rom finished second, just to say three shots back, he wouldn't have got the same buzz. Everything would have been focused on Morikawa. Um and if, if it had unfolded differently, Morikawa maybe not have gotten any buzz or maybe got more positive buzz finishing second um, instead of finishing how he did. So I, I just find it really interesting. The top guys are top guys for a reason. They're always going to stand out. That's why Scheffler led the field um, for a while, I think, in stroke scan approach. Um, I looked at a couple metrics we had on our showdown EAP data. And, I mean, he was hitting it closer than anybody inside of 12 feet. Um, through three rounds, two rounds, and then three rounds. So the ball striking is there. It's just a matter of chasing it, and um, they're going to come out with a win or two throughout the season, maybe more. Yeah, for, for sure, absolutely. And I think Scheffler is scheduled to tee it up next week. So is Rom, a couple of other people at the American Express uh, out there in, I believe it's wine country, or at least close to it, uh, Palm Springs. Maybe it's Palm Springs next week. That's where the American Express is. Okay, we're going to talk about the Sony Open uh, now, though, and it's at uh, Wildlife Country Club. Uh, they're at Honolulu. It's a pretty cool spot. I've been to the course. Uh, a couple of holes on the back nine, a butt right up to the beach. In fact, I actually just walked right through the beach onto the course. It's a pretty cool way to get on it. It's a Seth Rayner design back in the 1920s, par 77,044 yards. And a ton of mid-irons. We're going to talk about that in a second. Uh, under par cut, most likely close to a 20-under winner with little to no expected win coming this week. A full field, 140-plus golfers, top 65 in ties make the weekend. Uh, 13 of the top 50 in the uh, world are here, led by Tom Kim, Sung J.M., Jordan Spieth, Hideki Matsuyama, and Russell Henley. 
So, Drew, let's talk about the mid-irons. That really stuck out to me. 125 yards to 200-yard buckets. Break it down into 25 yards, if, of course, if you'd like to. But a ton of approach shots are coming from there. Yeah, that's where we where we have it broken out. So uh, we have 125 to 150 yards. Six shots should be played from there for most of the players. Um, four from 150 to 175, and 175 to 200 has five shots. So in total, that's 15 shots of the 18 holes from 125 to 200 yards. And that's, I mean, for the most part, everyone plays these holes the same way. Like a lot of them have dog legs, and you've been to the course or you've been there. Um, a lot of them, you can try to take over some corners if the rough is up it's a little bit more penalizing. They, they kind of lay up with the, uh, where the dog legs break. So you're going to be looking at a lot of shots from 125 to 175. That's kind of what I focused on the 175 to 200. You can kind of just encompass with that 175 number for the most part. I I think guys, if they're good, we, I think Hoagie's popping a little bit this week for people, but like for most people, if they're good from 125 to 175, it's just pretty broad range, right? 50 yards. Yeah. Probably pretty good up to 200 yards. Um, Sure. Very short on the par fives. So one of them is actually under 500. I don't know if they stretched it out this year, um, but I have it at 499 over the yeah, last Yeah, not a ton of room. You're talking about nine? Yes. Yeah, not a ton of room to move back. So I wouldn't be surprised. Right. So, I mean, it's a, it's a super short par five. They got average 205 yards into their second shot, which is crazy. And then 18, the same thing, 230 yards. So the par fives are reachable. Um, the par threes are all longer um, in the sense of the golf course, the golf course being right around 7,000 yards, they're all around 180. So 185 or so. Um, yeah, just looking at the mid irons. I mean, that's really it. I, I think the interesting thing for me is with the driving. Um, we've seen guys, at least watching them, I think it gets tough. I, mean, I don't know. Like with Matsuyama, when you watch some of the guys play like 18, you get like a different vibe than the other holes in the golf course. And we've seen yes. that at like, yeah, like Island. That, that yeah. Is so go 60. Yeah. Right. So it's really, I don't want to say it's a less than driver course because it's, it's not, but there are a lot of holes. They're not really trying to pound it out there. Out there. They right. can't, they just can't do it. So mm-hmm. um, accuracy off the tee is definitely going to be in play. So I'll be throwing that into the model a bit. Um, and our, our metrics use weighted. So it's always weighted to the course. So, you know, if the course is averaging like last week, let's just say it's averaging 80% fairways hit and maybe it's higher I don't, i'm not sure it's weighted to that number not just oh yeah they're hitting 80 percent of the fairways well <laughs> that's not true yeah. compared to the sony open um but, but yeah i think i think you're spot on with the um with the irons and i do think this is a course where we've seen really low scores um i think there's been 259 shot here jt shot yep. 59 here is that right yep um and then the last couple of years is 23 under and 21 under so i would look for someone that has pretty good splits with the putter on Bermuda. Um, that yeah. definitely helps. Yeah, 20 under is certainly going to need to get to it. All right, so let's take a minute um, here just briefly before we get into some of our picks to talk about uh, the model that you've been mentioning. This is our EAP or the Fantasy Golf Bag Mixed Model. And what it is is exactly what we just did. It breaks the approach shots into 25-yard increments, 50 if it's under 100 and 50 if it's over 200. And what it does exactly, it weights out specific elements of either the approach shot, other statistical measures like birdie or better, and then, of course, our spectrum data per shot uh, analysis there. So this is all part of the Fantasy Golf Bag Mixed Model, part of our premium feature here at FantasyGolfBag.com. Uh, Drew, anything you want to add to what I just said? No, you pretty much got it. I mean, we haven't – I know you and I haven't really dove in deep on explaining a lot of the intricacies of – 
what goes into like the spectrum data and stuff like that. But essentially what we're trying to do with the AP model is, or the FGB model, um, you're basically giving you the availability to basically filter on any stat you want. And every single one for the most part is filtered or, or weighted to the field. The spectrum data is really unique because what we've seen with guys and we saw it last week with a couple guys, um, one or two shots and in the course of a round um, can really inflate or deflate their numbers. So the goal with spectrum data is to kind of remove the noise and provide you an actual real statistic. And that's why it's at a per shot level. Cause there's actually, believe it or not, there's scenarios where some guys will hit, we'll say uh, 10 T shots and some guys will hit 14 T shots technically. And there's other times where, you know, going for the green and two or going for the green off the T shot where they'll actually, another player could have 18 full approaches while another person only has 16 or 15 approaches. We saw that at the British open last year. Um, so the spectrum data is trying to give you a really good comparison between players per shot for each statistic of strokes gained. And it's taking out a lot of the outlier. So it's not, it's not exactly like this, but if you think about it, the, the idea of a player gaining more than a shot on a PGA tour average player is pretty it's, it's pretty impressive. I mean, these guys are gaining a shot for the course of a round for them to do that on one shot is uh, it's just, it's, it's just an outlier hitting it from 284 to three feet. That's, that's exactly. Like. Yep, yeah. exactly. And I, and I know that what we've used is like the very specific example of like, you know, it was 245 and he made an albatross or made an Eagle from 210. Like, yeah, you know, hole in one. Yeah. They're gaining a lot of shots, but there's a lot of other examples like out of the rough from 160 to We'll say five feet, like oh, they, gain, they gain like 1.4 or 1.6 shots. Like it's, it's pretty nuts. And yeah. it's not fair when you consider, Hey, that's one really good shot. Granted it counts towards strokes gain for the tournament. But when we look at projecting for next week, that's a shot that's not going to actually represent the data for his round. That's going to actually lead us astray. So the goal with the spectrum data is to really remove the noise, you know, high or low and provide a real statistic that we can use to kind of project players. Because again, we're, our goal is pro to project. We're not trying to story tell and say, you know, Tom Hoagie gained 10 strokes last week on approach and that's how he finished second or third. Yeah, that, that's true. But how did he really play? Oh, well, you know, he hit two or three shots out of the rough. He hit one out of the native area. I was just going to say, not just native yeah. area. He was in the pineapple field. When right. So, I mean, it, it really – it's crazy when you look at the numbers, um, but that's the goal of that. So I know there's a longer spiel, um, but again, there's a lot of data. So if you download the EAP model, we have it over the 10 tournaments and the last five tournaments. Um, it's a really good kind of midterm to short-term form. Um, and there's some opportunities, data and stuff like that in there as well, uh, which we talk about in the Discord. Well, let's let's break down for a couple of minutes here uh, some top names from those 10 tournament and five tournament samples from these three distances. What I did is I just took the uh, the data, the proximity data from those three distances, added them all together. And one name that I've already seen you tweet about uh, that I want to bring up is Nick Hardy this week. Uh, not only do I like him for DFS, but also one of my top bets Uh Early on here, 80 to 1, and then on the each way, 16 to 1, 5, 7 to 1 on the top 10, and 3 to 1 on the top 20. Uh, one of my first clicks this week, Nick Hardy. Uh, how about you? He is in both the 10 and the 5 tournament, so I really like him uh, this week. How about you? Yeah, there's there's definitely a little bit of leniency um, with the wraparound season, so it's always kind of 
you're trying to tread lightly a bit, but like Nick Hardy's a guy that if you just look, if you go back even further, um, like his approach numbers are always good. His off the tee numbers are respectable, but it's really approach that I'm going to focus on this week. And that's really what he excels at. So at his price and it's a good golf course for him, it's not overly long. A guy like that is definitely going to be in the ballpark. Um, if he can just stay around even on his putting, <laughs> that's pretty much it. Yep. On the five tournament, Kurt Kitayama popped up. I'll have you speak about him. But before you talk about Kitayama, I'm going to throw a name at you that you brought up to me over the swing season that maybe finally in the last couple of starts, he started to get it together. It's Carl Yuan. So Kurt Kitayama, Carl Yuan, both looking decent in the five tournament sample from these three approach yardages. Yeah. So Carl Yuan is really interesting because, again, from an approach standpoint, it's ridiculous how good he's been. He has not been very good around the green and he hasn't been very good necessarily with his putter. Um, But again, that's kind of the goal of this model is to kind of find, find those guys that are kind of maybe on the cusp of having a breakout week. And Carl Yuan is that guy. We've seen him play extremely well in the corn Ferry tour. I don't know what the numbers are, but I'm sure he had like probably close to uh, double digit top tens or double digit top fives. It's very, very good. Um, so, yeah, so he's just a guy that you would want to target in a field like this that has a lot of upside. Um, Kitty Yama is, is turning into one of those guys that's very consistent. Like, a really a solid player, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I've been very impressed. So after he had a stint at, like, the Honda Classic last year, uh, I think it was last year or the year before, like he had he two, year, two yeah. events. Yeah, two events back-to-back, great. And yep. then he um, played terrible. I think he got into the WGC or something. I forget what it was. And – after that, I was like, well, I'm just going to have to see how this turns out. The fall swing has been great for him. He's been playing great. Uh, ball striking looks good. Um, he's very long. He had a duel there with um, John Rahm in Mexico. So I, I really do think Kitty is a guy that I'm probably going to be playing quite a bit this season um, until his price gets a little bit too high. But for now, yeah, his, his stats look very good. And he has the ability to go super low. We've seen that time and time again from him. He's just kind of volatile, unfortunately, in the other direction sometimes. But uh, again, we're looking for upside. Sure are. Now you can see the entire field's uh, statistics on these approach numbers, as we already said, in the FGV mixed model as part of our premium feature here at fantasygolfbag.com. So now uh, to close it up, as we are coming up on 23 minutes, looks like we might just go over here on this first one. Don't get too mad at us, but we're going to give our top bets in early DFS leans. So we're going to give three bets each. Uh, if you've got it, I do. And uh some early DFS leans. I want to give three from last week and then three that did not play last week. We know that not everybody from last week is going to be in the top 20, so we need to mix it in a little bit. So first, the bets. I uh, already mentioned Nick Cardi. Kurt Kitayama is at 50-1 to one each way, uh, starting at 11-1 top five, 5-1 five to one on the top 10, 2-1 to one on the top 20. And then Carl Yuan to finish up, who we just talked about, 200-1 to one to win. 35 to 1 on the top 5, 14 to 1 on the top 10, and 6 and a half on the top 20. I love going in on Carl Yuan looking for that upside in the next couple of starts. Uh, anybody else you want to add to those three? I really do like KH Lee. Um, so he's 33 yeah. to 1. So it seems short from, you know, from just that looking at last good. week's odds. But I, I do think there's some value in that number. Um, he's just playing, he's playing really good. He's not so, very long. This is a great golf course for him. Irons are good. And he can get hot with the putter. Um, so I do like KH League quite a bit this week. I think he's going to be popular in DFS, but for betting, I do like the value. 
Uh, great call there. So we can use him as one of your guys from last week. I thought Mackenzie Hughes, he finished nicely there. Maybe sets up okay for this week as fairways are relatively easy to hit. And that's kind of where he struggles. Um, JJ Spawn, we already mentioned, I think you got to just play him until things go the other way. Uh, and then up top, I think I'm okay going Sanjay or Jordan. I don't know. Should, should we go Tom Kim? Uh, where's your early lean uh, for guys that did play last week? Yeah, I messed up there for you <laughs> the, the last week and not last week. Um, I don't think I can get up to Tom Kim. It seems like a bit of a jump. I don't mind going to Jordan Speed. I feel like there's a little bit more to prove for him. So I like Jordan Speed there at that number. Me too. Um, Jay? Uh, I just I have a tough time with clicking him in this field at 14 to 1. I feel like a lot of the the winners are going to come from that kind of slightly mid range or closer closer to the mid range, but I do like Jordan Spieth a little bit more. I'm surprised Tom Kim's ahead of him already. <laughs> so yeah. quick, I'm sure you are too. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. the ne The next guy probably would be uh, um, last week. Spawn, right? Yeah, probably JJ Spawn at forty to one. That's probably the guy to go to. Okay. I did forget one other guy that hasn't played um, that yeah. pops in our our other model is the Siwoo Kim, forty to one. So I know I me messed up there going back and forth, but okay. Siwoo Kim was another guy that jumped out to me. Well, Siwoo Kim was one of those guys that um, I, I thought he was boomer bust, and then towards the end of the last year, you know, the last three months, turned into a really consistent performer and, and just a quality player all around. So I really don't mind going to Siwoo Kim here. Uh, you know, his, his salary is. Is not all that high, 8,200. That's very reasonable. So other guys that did not play last week that I do like, uh, Maverick McNeely, I do think he's going to win this year, or at least you know could be one of those alternate events or whatever. But I think he's been really close, and here's a guy that can get really hot with the putter. Can also get really cold, though. Uh, Cam Davis, uh, we've all already seen a Cameron from Australia win. I think Cam Davis is going to be super popular in DFS, though. Uh, I still like him. Keith Mitchell. You know, you'd think about him maybe on a bomber's course, but when he tones it down, he, he tends to play pretty well, has some good results here. And then last one, uh, the model absolutely loves this guy on the 10 uh, tournament sample. It's Davis Thompson, 7,100. He's a rookie on tour. Drew, do you know anything about this guy? He came out pretty decorated from college, had to go through the KFT, but did so. Um, and he's played well in his early starts. Yeah, I'm a big fan of him. Um, really good decorated amateur career. Played in the uh, the Walker Cup down in Seminole. Watched him play down there. And uh, long guy, so I don't know if this is the best track for him necessarily, but he's definitely got upside. I think I think he's gonna keep his card this year and play pretty well. Um, the other guy that I didn't mention is Ben Griffin. I think Ben Griffin's gonna be a pretty chalky value this week for us at Fantasy Golf Bag. Yeah, Ben Griffin. He's um, been playing pretty consistently. I like it in the fall swing, at least. He really has. Uh, all right. Well, of course, you can get all of our picks, how much we're going to play each player, what our cores are for DFS, what our final bets are for the week, in both of our premium articles that come out on Wednesday, Mind the Winning Element, in Drew's Red Kachik's core article. Uh, so, Drew, before we get on out of here, we hit under 30 minutes. That's not bad for our first time, but we are going to try for – for 23 minutes anything else uh you'd like to say to everybody yeah i'll take the blame on going over spieling a little bit um no nothing else i'm excited for the season uh i took kind of took it light last week with the uh the no cut event i know you took a different approach but i'm excited to get back to a cut event 
get the oh, cut sweat on Friday. Right? Um, I know you're no sweating it on the Yeah, it's so annoying though. Just it to is a one minute rant because I was in I was in first for like three days and I was talking to Drew and I'm like I'd be surprised if I end up in the top hundred and I and I think I finished eight hundredth in the tournament. It's just. No it's cut. Everyone's play. in play. Everyone's in play. Max Homa comes out from nowhere. He would have missed the cut probably. It's just crazy. So I'm excited shot. for some cut events. These are these are just really fun. You got a Friday cut, and then you go through the weekend. You at least have an idea of like, hey, I'm ahead of the field. There's not many other DFS sports where like you can lose half the field for the second half of the game. Yeah, it's like injuries I mean, every week for uh, I mean, NFL or something. Of the time, right? It's most of the time it's like ninety percent of the field. Uh, yeah, more than that. Yeah, right. So which, it's which just awesome. it's pretty nice to have an edge going into the weekend. It really is. And speaking of going into the weekend, we do have some awesome showdown content. All the stuff that we just mentioned here, the spectrum data per shot that really comes into play in showdown. We've gotten some really good feedback of people liking the cheat sheet that you're doing and talking about the data the way that we do instead of. As a whole, Scott Stallings on day one gained four strokes on the approach. Right. He gained three and a half on one shot. Again, yep. just looking a little bit deeper into the data. That's what we love to do here. So uh, stay with us. That's what we're going to do here on the Fantasy Golf Ed Podcast. Each and every week, we go stateside. We're in California at the American Express next week. Good luck, everybody, at the Sony Open at Wildlife Country Club. And we'll see you all next week. Cheers. Cheers.